0: unseen show me how to love like you have love me repeat that once more and heal my heart and make it clean open up my eyes to the things unseen show me how to love like you have love me A heart for one breaks yours everything I am for your kingdom's cause as I walk from earth into eternity Hosanna 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 in the highest
1: Santa. blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and we proclaim that today not only because the Lord has indeed come but also because he has come and rescued us and saved us from our sins and for that we want to worship him and praise him. We're glad that you could join us uh, at Community Church uh, via via website as we continue to, to come together uh, to worship the Lord and as we continue to worship him through song let me remind you just a couple of things before we Uh, before we continue. And the first is that on on Friday, April 24th, is uh, A Secret Church. That is at 7 p.m. And uh, many of you have actually uh, had the books, and we're glad that you are able to join in and and have uh, that time so you can live stream it. But uh, we do have a few more books left. So if you are interested and you would like a book, please uh, reach out to me or reach out to Reshma, and we'll make sure that you have a book this week. And also... Uh, As many of you know, we've been uh, working through uh, the church, uh, a book by Mark Dever, and we still have some uh, copies. If you would like one, please let me know, and I'd be more than happy to give one to you. So let us uh, just uh, commit this time to the Lord uh, in a word of prayer, and then we will continue to worship the Lord through singing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for coming for living a perfect life, and for dying on the cross for imperfect individuals. We thank you, and we want to proclaim your praises today. So we, ha- we ask, Lord, that you would receive uh, this time as a fragrant offering to you, May we worship you with our hearts, with our minds, with our, with our voices, with all that we are. May we lift up ourselves to you, to worship you, to honor you. And so we ask that you would take control of our time together and use it all for your glory. And we pray that you would speak and minister to the saints wherever they are, that your word would be ministered to them through your abiding holy spirit Mm -hmm. speak to us lord encourage us and draw us to yourself we pray in jesus name amen
2: amen let's stand for our call to worship this comes from psalm 5 give ear to my words O lord consider my groaning Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. The theme of our service is righteousness, God's righteousness. And God's righteousness is not like our own. It's set apart. And this set um, apartness that we describe is God's holiness. So let's stand and sing praises to our holy God. As we move into our time of gospel focus, hear these words from Psalm 5, verses 7 through 10. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth, their inward the inmost self is destruction their throat is an open grave they flatter with their tongue make them bear their guilt O god let them fall by their own counsels because of the abundant abundance of their transgressions cast them out for they have rebelled against you we each were once rebels before god But thanks be to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, for he came and he died on our behalf, taking upon us the price of our rebellion. And now we are free to sing praises to him. So let's sing of the fount of all of our blessings.
0: Come thou fount of every blessing To my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Callful songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the name, I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Hitherto thy love has blessed me, thou hast brought me to this place. And I know thy hand will bring me safely home by thy good grace. Jesus saw me when a stranger Wandering from the fold of God He to rescue me from danger Interposed His precious blood Oh to grace how great a debtor Daily I'm constrained to be Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. On that day when free from sin I shall see thy lovely face Full of rain blood-washed in and How I'll sing thy sovereign grace Come, my Lord, no longer tarry my lord come my lord no longer tarry bring thy promises to pass for i know thy power will keep me till i'm home with thee at last and amen that we rest in that power
2: and because of that power we can sing now in praise and thanksgiving to him Hear these words again from Psalm 5. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Let's sing this next song out together because our glorious King forever reigns on his throne.
0: Good in me You are love, you are love On display for all to see And you are here, you are here in your presence. I made all oh, you are God, you are God. Of all else, I'm letting go. And no, I'm running right to your arms, I'm running right to your arms. The riches are.
2: You may be seated.
1: I want to read those passages again in Psalm 5. Psalm 5, one says, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. Verse 11, let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord, you cover him with favor As with a shield. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Father in heaven, you are our king. You are our God. And it is to you that we ask that you would give attention to the words of our prayers. Give attention to the sound of our cries. Consider our groanings, O Lord, as we come to you today to to make our prayer requests known to you. May you see them as a sacrifice, O Lord, an acceptable offering. God, we thank you because you that as your beloved children, we have your ears, that you are attentive. To the cries of your people, we praise you and worship you because you protect your you spread your protection over us and it is in you that we take our refuge, Lord and And we pray, Lord, we pray for our church. Lord, help us to be a people. Help us to be a a people of prayer. Help us to be a people who who are quick to take our refuge in you. Let us never be ashamed of running to you that you may protect us, that you may spread your covering over us. For you cover us with favor as with a shield. We thank you for that, O Lord. Help us, Lord, to not trust in ourselves, to not trust in what our own hands can do, but help us to trust in you. Help us to trust in your name, O Lord. We pray that we would not wait until things are dire in our lives, until there is anxiety and distress in our hearts to come to you, Lord, but that we would always come to you in times of plenty or in times of few, in times of joy and gladness or in times of sorrow and pain. Because we need you, Lord. Lord. We need you at all times, in all places. Father, and we pray for those who are sick and those who are suffering, and we pray for those who uh, have been impacted by the pandemic in various different ways, for those who have suffered a loss of, uh, of income, or some of their income for those who are struggling in isolation. Lord, help your people to find their refuge in you. Lord, may their hearts sing for joy. Would you spread your protection over them? May they remember that you bless the righteous, that you you favor them. Would you replace those feelings of anxiety and distress, and even of anger and frustration? Would you replace those feelings with peace? Would you replace them with your joy? Would you give them great joy as they reflect on the God who has protected them from his own judgment and wrath through Jesus Christ? Father, and we pray, we pray that we would, that our, our our love for you would increase, would just abound more and more. The hearts of your church would be united to sing of your joy. Father, we pray, we pray for uh, church planters uh, worldwide for For these are trying times lord as as church planters and leaders are trying to start up churches and trying to continue to preach the gospel and and find other Christians who are looking for a good church home, as churches are struggling to to build a solid foundation and, and trying to find the funds and the resources required, especially in a time like this, Lord, would you spread your protection over them? Would they find refuge in you? Lord, would you be gracious to them and provide for them? May they come to you each and every day, offering the sacrifices of their prayers, and may they watch and wait with expectation for you to come through for them. Father, we pray for all sister churches uh, in the Seacoast area. Father, would you pray, would you ask, would you help the saints to continue to, to look to you for the greatest source of comfort and peace and joy. We ask God that even in times like these, that the saints would continue to sing of your joy. Father, we pray for, for pastors and church leaders. Give them wisdom and understanding and help them to point your flock to the chief shepherd who continues to care over the souls of his people 24 7 he never ceases father we pray for we pray for our nation lord in times like these would you continue would you draw people to jesus christ would you draw people to find their refuge in jesus christ Especially in times like these where things that were once considered refuge as a source of refuge have been become shaky and unstable, lead people to the protection that you offer them through your Son Jesus Christ. Draw people to the beloved Savior so that your righteousness would be stamped upon their souls. Father, and we pray for continued wisdom and insight for for our leaders, uh, for governors, Lord, as they strategize and try to uh, put a plan together in order to uh, to start the economy back up again. Father, we pray that you would guide them in these steps. and that they would be able to continue to work out what is best for what is both beneficial for the, for the health of everyone, but also for the economy. Lord, and we pray for doctors and nurses. Lord, would you sustain them? Would you help them? Would you protect them? Would you energize them, Lord, as they continue to work many upon many hours in helping the sick. Lord, would you provide abundant resources for hospitals to be able to take care of the sick? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for listening to the words of our prayers God, we thank you that you even take delight in hearing the prayers of the saints and that you are eager to respond. And Lord, we pray that you would help us as we offer these prayers to you as a sacrifice, that we would have the faith to be patient, to watch with expectation, that you may see fit To answer these requests how you see fit and in the time that you see fit. And with that, we conclude with the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would you turn with me to Psalm 1? Today and for the next four weeks, we're going to take a break from the Gospel of John and work through Psalms 1 through 5. he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for you are good to us. You cover us with favor, and you bless those who take refuge in you. You bless those who take delight in you, who take delight in your word. God, would you increase our delight of your word as we walk through this psalm? Help us, O Lord, to receive this word, and that our joy in you may increase. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 1 is a psalm that I think many Christians have in their repertoire. It's a psalm that many Christians have committed to memory. It's one of the very first passages that I have have ever committed to memory, but I've never actually taken the time to, to study this passage. And having studied this passage, I want to tell you that I am... that I am just not the person to preach this passage. Having studied this passage, I've just become increasingly convicted by it to this very day, to this very moment as I'm speaking to you. Psalm 1, you see, Psalm describes to us God's ideal man or God's ideal woman. It's a fitting introduction to the book of Psalms. And so I come to you and I, I preach this message, this passage to you, not as somebody who has attained it, not as somebody who is even considers himself close to this ideal. But I preach this passage to you as as a person who who wants to be there. Who wants it, who hungers for it, who thirsts for it, who wants to be described as this psalm as this psalm reads. And I'm I'm preaching to you as a as a brother, as a friend, as a pastor who wants you to want this as well. I want you to hunger to be to, to strive for this ideal. I want you to thirst for this ideal. And there may not be anybody in the entire planet who fits this ideal perfectly. But the question is: Are we striving for it? Are we yearning for it? And so, there's three things, and I, I honestly, I, I don't even know if I'll get through. All the content, but I, I will try as hard as I can but there's three things that the blessed this blessed man is: he is most happy, he is most prosperous and also known by God, so again, I want you to to hunger for this as much as I do, as much as I want for you. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. This blessed man, and we'll get to blessed, what that means a little bit later, but this blessed man is most happy. This passage begins with a contrast between the blessed person, the blessed man or woman of God, and the person who walks in the way of sinners. Now, you could see this as an intensification, the person who walks and then stands and then sits as a natural progression, or another way to interpret that is, talking about the pervasiveness of wickedness and evil, the totality of evil. Either way, I think it fits. But look at the nouns, the nouns that are used. And they're all the same. I mean, they're all describing the same person. A wicked person, a sinner, and a scoffer. So this person, this person who walks in the way of the wicked, who stands in the way of sinners, who sits in the seat of scoffers, this is obviously not a person who is blessed by God. And how how we define blessing is a different matter. Because this person, this person who walks in the way of wicked, definitely considers themselves, might consider themselves as a blessed person. Clearly, the, the the Bible has a different way of defining blessed. Now, clearly, this is a person who is terrible. This person is a person who is evil. This is a person who has made their company with the wicked. Right, and the scary thing about it is that there are is that there are certainly people who might be as wicked as this passage describes, but they may not look at like that. But there are people who may come across as kind and gentle, but are actually more like the person that this passage describes. Wicked, a sinner, and a scoffer, and a scoffer is one who actually looks down on those to do good who scorns at those who do good. So not only is this person doing evil, but also shuns and even pokes fun at those who do good. Now, thankfully, nobody, not nobody, but thankfully, most people in the world are not as bad as they could be, right? Because of the sheer common grace of God, nobody, we even ourselves are not as bad as we could be. And even today, as we are reading this passage, if we're reading this, the description of this wicked person, right, we might say that there, are, there isn't anybody in our lives that we can describe this way. And we certainly wouldn't describe ourselves in this manner or in this way. But the Bible has, defines wickedness not, so, not as narrowly as you and I might, might define it. In Numbers 14, verse 34, this is after the spies go out into the land to look at the land, the land that God promised to his people. So the spies come back and give a report about the land that is fruitful, that is plentiful, that this is a wonderful land, but they also talk about the might of the people, the strength of the people. And so they they. they they start panicking. They start stirring fear into the hearts of everyone. And this is what it says in Numbers fourteen thirty four. According, this is the judgment of the Lord. According to the number of the days in which you spy out the land, 40 days, a year for each day you shall bear your iniquity. 40 years, and you shall know my displeasure. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this I will do to all this wicked congregation who are gathered together against me. This so it's just simply because the people will not trust in the Lord. Even though God had told them that this land is for you, I will give you this land. But instead, they allowed fear to take over their hearts, to no longer trust in God. And therefore, God considered them to be a wicked people. In Deuteronomy 9.27, this is looking back to the abomination of the golden calf that people created and began to worship it. It says, remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do not regard the stubbornness of this people or their wickedness or their sin, lest the land from which you brought us say, because the Lord was not able to bring them into the land that he promised them, and because he hated them, he has brought them out to put them to death in the wilderness. For they are your people and your heritage, whom you brought out by your great power and your outstretched arm." So the Lord was seeking to, was going to judge his people, blot them out, actually. It began again with his servant, Moses. But Moses intercedes for the people. And God considers the people to be wicked because they have worshiped an idol, because they have worshiped someone other than God. In Matthew 18 The parable of a master who forgives the debt of one of his servants. And then that servant goes around to one of his own servants and doesn't forgive his debt. Instead, he throws him into prison and the master goes to his servant and he says, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. So the servant is considered a wicked person because he should have forgiven his own servant just as he has been forgiven. Psalm 1 describes to us a wicked person. But let us not be so quick to say that this is not talking about me, that I don't fit into this. Because even though, right, you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ covering you, there are certainly times where you, though you may not be identified by wickedness, you still do some wicked things. Maybe you fail to trust in the Lord. Maybe you fail, maybe you withhold forgiveness from somebody who asks for it. Maybe you have failed to trust in the Lord and to do his will. Instead, you decide to do your own will. Or your own thing. right? Even every form, any kind of sin can be considered as wicked. And the thing about evil, the thing about sin is that it is enticing. Right? Let's be honest. Sin is enticing. If it wasn't, then you and I would sin a lot less. But there is an enticement towards sin. Something like that. brings some sort of pleasure or some sort of relief or brings some sort of temporary, immediate gratification or temporal possessions or treasures. It is enticing. And I think this is the case with those who commit themselves to a wicked way. The one that is described here in Psalm chapter 1, in Psalm 1. This is somebody who finds wickedness enticing and gives their life to it. And let's be honest, wickedness does bring some sort of gratification and relief and immediate pleasure. It's not that the way of the good brings no pleasure at all, but wickedness has a way of bringing immediate gratification and immediate worldly possessions. And that's what makes this so enticing. Hence, so one of the struggles that we see in the scriptures, particularly we see in, the, in, in Job is, or in the Psalms also, is how the wicked can prosper. Why is the wicked allowed to prosper? Right, in that sense, they're, they're blessed, right? They're blessed. The Bible has a different way of defining what it means to be blessed. Matthew 5, verse 3. Many of you are familiar with this. This is coming from the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. According to the scriptures, to be blessed is to be highly favored of God, is to find joy and satisfaction and happiness in God. Somebody who is blessed is somebody who receives from the Lord and finds an increasing satisfaction in God. Right, if you, I don't have a Twitter account, but if you have a Twitter account and you have put in hashtag blessed, people have various different ways of defining blessed or what they consider to be blessed. Blessed because I have a new car. Blessed because I have a new house. Blessed because I passed my exam. Blessed because I didn't get in trouble. But how does the scriptures define blessed? Blessed are the ones who are poor in spirit. Why? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They shall receive the comfort of God. Blessed is the man or woman of God because they shall inherit the earth. That's a promise that we see in Romans. They shall, their hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be satisfied. They will receive mercy. They will one day see God. They are called sons of God. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's what it is to be blessed. But we have in the passage and here in Psalm 1, these competing affections. That's essentially what we are, right? When you were unconverted, before your life in Jesus Christ, you may have had different affections, different things that you desired, different things that made you happy, different things that you loved. But when you became a Christian, right, there's be, you've, you started to wrestle because you know that there are competing affections. You want to do this, but you know you ought to do this. where the Apostle Paul describes this very struggle in Romans chapter 7. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. Right? There, is a com- there are competing affections in the life of a Christian, and it doesn't mean that you're not a Christian, that you're struggling. It actually assures you that you are, because if you were not struggling to do the will of God or to do your own will, to do the will of the Spirit, or to do the will of the flesh, if there was no struggle, then you would have something to be concerned about. If you were always, always giving yourself to the will of the flesh. But the godly man or woman of God is one who has these competing affections, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Just like Paul describes, he delights in the law of God in his inner being. So then you see this, the wicked may consider themselves blessed because of what their own hands have accomplished for these immediate gratifications, these immediate pleasures, but the blessed man, the one that is described here in Psalm 1 is a person who is blessed in a different manner, one who has solid happiness, solid joy in things that are much more substantial. And things that are even not enjoyed in the here and now. Enjoyed in a sense that they're coming, but they haven't received the fullness of it yet. You see, happiness is determined by what you delight in. That which you delight in most is what gives you the most happiness. It's what gives you the most joy. Psalm one nineteen ninety seven. the psalmist says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. This is describing somebody who is delighting in the law of God, somebody who is happified in the law of God. That's not even a word. I made that up, but it made sense. The word of God happifies, happifies the person who delights in it who loves the law of God. So the man who was blessed or the woman who was blessed is one who finds great delight, who finds great joy in God's word. So I ask you, I mean, how happy are you? How happy have you been lately? Where do you find joy? your greatest happiness, your greatest source of joy? And are you finding it in God's word? Ask yourself, do you want to be as happy as you can possibly be? And I will say to you that I do. I want to be as happy as I can possibly be. I want to be as joyful as I can possibly be. And this psalm tells us that it does not come apart from delighting in God's word. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Meditation is a very good thing. Setting aside time to think deeply on the word of God is a very good thing. I commend that spiritual discipline to you. You should practice that on a regular basis. I mean, even Paul instructed his disciple, his protege, Timothy, to do that. He said, think over what I say and the Lord will give you understanding. Well, that is what the Lord does when we meditate and think deeply and hard on God's word. But I don't think that the psalmist is trying to, is trying to describe to us or trying to compel us or instruct us to set aside specific time of the day day and night to meditate on God's word. But instead, I think what this is describing is somebody who is consumed by God's word. I mean, what do you think about a lot? What do you think a lot about? What are the things that you have been, maybe, what have you been consumed by? Have you been consumed with stress and anxiety and worry maybe because of the pandemic Are you thinking a lot about financial security? Are you thinking a lot about worldly possessions? Are you thinking a lot about sin, a particular sin? What are your thoughts consumed by? What is that thing that you're thinking about before you go to bed? What is that thing that you wake up thinking about each and every morning? The psalmist is describing to us a person who is consumed by the word of the Lord so that he cannot help but think about it all day and all night. It's similar to that passage that says pray without ceasing. It's not telling us that you should be praying 24-7, but it's a person describing an action or a posture of the heart of somebody who is praying regularly throughout the day, somebody who is always connected to God. And so the person who meditates on the word day and night is somebody who cannot help but think about the word. Because if you delight in God's word, then you will be going to be thinking a lot about God's word. And that is the one who is blessed by God. Romans 12, verse 1. The Apostle Paul writes to us, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. To the Christian, there is, there are no secular endeavors There is nothing that is untethered from God. Everything is connected back to God. From parenting, to your secular job, to being a husband or wife, to being a friend, to hanging out with people. Everything is tethered to God. So another, so the Christian, this is the words that never come out of the person who delights in God's law and meditates on God's law day and night. Somebody who's consumed by God's word. He never, ever, ever, ever says, I need to take a break from God. I need to take a break from this. I need to do something that is not connected to God, nothing contented to the scriptures. Now, Christian never says that because he means to present his life as a living sacrifice to God in everything that he or she does because his aim is to glorify God because he delights in God's word Jesus says in John 14:15 if you love me you will keep my commandments if you love me you will keep my commandments Somebody, right? If you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? His word. If, if, another way to see that is that. Another way to say that is, you will keep my word. If you love me, you will keep my words. A person who delights in the God's law or in God's word is somebody who loves the Lord and will keep His word because it, He loves God. He loves the Lord. So this is how happiness, true and lasting happiness is, is defined, how it is achieved, by delighting in God's law. Delight, I mean, that's, that word delight is only used once in the New Testament, and that is in the passage that I read to you earlier in Romans 7, where Apostle Paul says it. And I cannot help but think that perhaps he was thinking back to Psalm 1 when he said those words. And here, the word delight, and interestingly, I'm going to get a little technical here, but in the, so in the Hebrew, the word there for delight, or at least in the, in the Greek translation of the Hebrew, the word delight there actually means will. It's the same word used for will. So then what could that mean? But his will is in the law of the Lord. Your will, your will encompasses your mind and your heart. That which you will to do, you will do. Because it is is, is much more than just a desire, but you're compelled to. So your will, the person's will is tethered to the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And that person is most happy. And he is also most prosperous. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So such a blessed person, such a blessed man or woman of God is compared to a tree, a strong and vibrant and fruitful tree. That is planted by streams of water. And this is a tree, right? This isn't a tree that you or I planted, but this is a tree that is planted by the Lord. That you are the one who is planted by seed, by, the, by streams of water, and prospers. Right? And that's not taking, that's, that's not does not mean prosper with material blessings. That does not even say or tend to communicate that you are prospered immediately here in this life, where the scriptures do not promise us that we will have everything that we want. That's not what this passage is about. But the tree that is planted by streams of water is always prosperous in that he's always growing. He's always maturing. He's always producing fruit. His leaves never, ever wither. So that even in storms of life, even in calamities in life, even in stress and anxiety, that the blessed person who delights in God's law and meditates on that law day and night, who is consumed by the word, that no matter what that person goes through, that even in times of suffering, that person can continue to grow and mature. And because that person's delight is in the law of the Lord, that person, their aim is to follow the law of the Lord. And in that, they will always prosper. But the wicked in comparison, right? They're like chapter that the wind drives away. Right? So if you, if so, the Christian is like a stone in the wicked, or like a sheet of paper that if you threw both in the air, right, the stone would come down. the paper right would be taken by the wind that's what the wicked is like the wicked are unstable they have no solid ground to stand on chasing after one thing after another after another after another but the person who is like this tree planted by streams of water is solid is unshakable because of the confidence that he or she has in god And this person is also known by God. The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. In the judgment, the wicked will not stand, nor will they have any place in the fellowship of the righteous. They will not be together. It tells us that the Lord, because the Lord knows the way of the righteous, where the Lord is intimately acquainted is what that means, with the righteous. God himself is righteous. God himself is good. He is holy. So he knows better than anyone the difference between righteousness and wickedness, between good, between evil, between holiness, between sin. And those whom he knows very well are those who are stamped with his righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. He knows them personally. He loves them. And he invites them into that congregation of the righteous. They are the ones who will stand in the judgment. This passage, this psalm is describing to us somebody who delights in God's law. Somebody who is consumed by the word of the Lord. And so again, I ask how, how is your happiness lately? How is your joy? What do you find yourself delighting in these days? And how does it compare to God's word? Again, I think the thing that you and I need to leave with is do we, do we want more? Do we hunger for more, for more of the word in our lives? Do we want to delight in God's law if we're not delighting in it right now? Do we want to be this person that is described as blessed? So let me give you some practical ways to increase your delight in God's word. How do you increase in that delight? How do you increase in that joy and happiness in God? And the first one, I think is the most obvious one, is to read the Word. Read the Word. Growing in delight in the Word doesn't come from just reading it once a week. I'll tell you that much. It doesn't come from reading it once every two weeks or once every month. But if you want your joy joy in the Lord and the word to increase, then you must be in the word regularly because the word is the means by which we know Jesus. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Right, here's the question, right? Do you see this as your life? Is this your life? Do you <laughs> go to the word and see this? This is my sustenance. This is what sustains me. This is what keeps me going. This is what strengthens me. This is what nourishes me. Is your appetite for the word stronger than your appetite for food? Oh, you've got to get in the word. You've got to get in the word. And think, think about Jesus. Think about that beloved Savior who died on the cross for your sins. Think about the gospel. Think about how good Jesus is. You want to increase your delight in his word Then think about the one that the scriptures point to. So spend time in the word. Think about Jesus. Spend time with people who love Jesus. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling of being around somebody. You may not have their particular, you may not have this, this, the same interest, but they're describing a particular interest, whether it's, a hobby, whether it's cards, whether it's art, or whatever it is, and you 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 listen to them and you watch their facial expressions, you can tell that this person loves whatever it is that they're interested in, and that even even for you, right, it gets you a little bit excited. It's almost kind of infectious. If you want to increase in your delight in the Word, spend time with people who love Jesus, who delight in His Word. Lay, hey, let's just get together. Can we just talk and just talk about Jesus? Let's just talk about his word. What have you been learning? How have you been growing? what has Jesus shown you lately? Another one, and if you're following along in the notes or in the bulletin, I don't have this one here, but another one is is contemplation. Well, we know meditation. Some meditate on the scriptures, but I wonder how many contemplate. Contemplation is one of those spiritual disciplines that have been lost, something that the, that the, uh, the Puritans actually practice in their own life. Contemplation just switches to subject. Meditation, the subject is the scriptures we 're meditating on the scriptures, seeing what it says, trying to understand it. But in contemplation, the subject is us it 's a time of self reflection it 's a time of asking ourselves, how are we really doing?" Where has my heart been lately? What have I been struggling with? I see this truth in the scriptures. Have I been practicing this in my life? What sins do I need to repent of? Do I have any idols in my heart? It's introspection for the sake of godliness. It's seeing what is lacking, seeing what sins might be in your heart, seeing where your heart actually is, and then also thinking about proactive steps to take in order to grow and mature in godliness in order so that you may achieve, get closer to achieving this ideal, this person who is most blessed, who finds delight in God's word. And then lastly, it's simple. Pray for it. Pray for this delight. If you are lacking in delight in God's law, if you, are, if you describe yourself as somebody who is not consumed by God's word, but if you find yourself consumed by other things, whether good or bad, then just pray, God, give me more delight in your law. Give me more delight in your word, God. I want to find joy in your word. I want to be consumed by it. Even as you sit down to read God's word, just pray, God, give me a word. I'm reading this passage. I'm reading a chapter. I'm reading two chapters. I'm reading three chapters. Give me a word that will sustain me today. Give me a word that I can can take with me, that I can think about today. Because I want to know you. find your greatest delight in God's word so that you may be that you may be consumed by God's word and that someone describes as a person who is blessed finds their joy and happiness in God let me pray Lord we want to be as joyful as we can. God, I I just, I can't believe that the God of the universe would even want us, would care enough about us to want us to be happy in him. God, so we pray for that. We pray for increasing joy. We pray for increasing happiness that is not determined by outside circumstances, that is not determined by a stimulus check, that doesn't come from worldly possessions or treasures, and especially does not come from sin, but a happiness that comes only from you. This happiness is a gift. So we pray, God, we ask, we plead, Lord, that you would be gracious to us and give us this joy, to give us this happiness. And may we be a people who find our greatest joy in your word, May we be a people who are consumed by your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Let's stand and worship together.
0: This is your story and this is mine. A thousand times I've failed to your mercy Should I stumble again Still I'm caught in your grace Everlasting, your light will shine once more
2: this word of benediction this comes from romans 1 16 through 17 for i am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god for salvation to everyone who believes to the jew first and also to the greek for in it the righteousness of god is revealed from faith for faith as it is written the righteous shall live by faith Go in peace, brothers and sisters, and live in the righteous, righteousness by faith.